Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Ford Taylor. Ford is a leadership solutions trainer, strategist, and speaker with a primary emphasis on the people who serve an organization while simultaneously maintaining a clear focus on the business or organization itself. Ford shares straightforward practical solutions through authentic leadership training and individualized leadership consulting. Ford helps to both define and navigate leadership in the business culture of today with an empathetic intelligence derived from decades of experience with an array of people, personalities, and companies, both large and small. Ford, it's an honor to have you here today. Matt, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for all you do for so many people, uh, even on this show and beyond. You're a blessing. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, it's really cool to meet you and hear you speak at the Leadership Summit a few weeks ago with Heaven in Business, and really enjoyed not only Uh, your personality and the delivery, but uh, practical applications that I've already been able to use that have helped me uh, in a short period of time. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words, man. Yes, sir. So the the thing that that I loved the most about your presentation was not only a lot of good information, but you you start off with a, a background that's very transparent and it's very authentic and, and it's very raw. And so I just want you to give a little bit of your background. Not only are you a leadership consultant and and you've helped all of these amazing businesses all around the world, but how did you develop some of these principles? What what were some of the fires that you walked through to to get to the point that you're at now? Well, you're right, Matt. Uh, the the training and that I do and the speaking and the consulting, you know, I try to combine the failures with the successes. And my hope is, is that if people can benefit from some of the failures I've had as much as some of the successes, that maybe they might not walk through some of the failures. But if they have walked through some of them, that maybe we can help them get through them and really fulfill you know, what God's called them to do once they, once they move past some of those. And as you know, when you introduce someone to speak, uh, most of the time it's, uh, it's pretty glowing, you know, but often you know, the, the, the real truth behind the glow is not brought up in the first part. And, and so to answer your question, you know, a little bit of history is, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Paris, Texas. I went to school at Texas A&M. I met my wife when I was a senior. She was a freshman. We got married when she was a junior. We took over a company that was about to go bankrupt when I was 25. And over the next 16 years, between that and some other partners that we took on. For nine years, it was just us. And then we decided to go a little bit bigger, a lot bigger. Uh, I found myself as the CEO of a $300 million publicly traded company, which at that time was the largest in our industry in America. And so, you know, when people talk about that, woo-wee, look at this guy, you know. In the 90s, I was named one of the top 10 business people in America, top in Texas, number one in five states. I mean, those kinds of things. But what happens is those things go to your head. And so even as we were achieving what most people would think that's just really good. Uh, you know, I had a lot of insecurity, uh, being sexually abused by a female school teacher uh, led to a lot of insecurity. And that insecurity led to a lot of arrogance and pride. Uh, you know, when you're having that kind of business success, you think there's nothing I can't handle. 
Well, when you get to that place, then you start doing things in your private life that don't line up with your public life. And then I started, you know, cheating on my wife. And, and so, again, you don't get all that stuff in the introduction very often. But we, you know, when we go in and consult our, our train, the leadership training we do, we, we want to help people not make some of those mistakes, not just those, but others, and also know how to overcome them. And Matt, as you heard me share, I tell people that I'm married to an angel in a woman's suit. That, uh, you know, when I shared with her what I had done, I knew for a fact in my head, my, I knew in a factual brain that she was going to leave me. And when I, I told her that I hope one day you can forgive me and please don't take the kids and this is all my fault. It's not your fault. And I know you don't love me and I've caused that. You know, she looked at me right square in the eye and said, why would I leave you? I love you more than anything on this earth. I forgive you. We'll get through this. Um, and I just made the decision that day. I wanted to learn to love and forgive people that way. And so I try to give people the practical, implementable tools on how to get there. Well, it's um, it's really strong stuff. And, you know, it's that the conference, this was my third that I've been to. And uh, but the first one that I've been to where, you know, there were multiple points where Holy Spirit was just doing stuff inside my heart. You know, the, the six step apology when you said, all right, ask Holy Spirit who you need to apologize. You know, I immediately heard my wife and I'm like, well, I, I, I think I'm good there. And, uh, you know, so sure enough, I went out and I, I did the apology with her. And, you know, she didn't say you don't need to apologize. She said, thank you. And I was like, well, I thought that uh, we were in good shape. But, you know, I got back late on Saturday night. Sunday night, we ended up having a long conversation. I'm very outgoing. She's very introverted. And she had some things that was, you know, had just been building up that she hadn't been able to express. And um, so to me that I went there for business insight. I went for, you know, partnering with the Holy Spirit in in the business realm. But I got marriage counseling out of it. And it was something that, uh, you know, she was thankful for and I was thankful for because, you know, it is easy to have blind spots when you are having relative success. And so, uh, you know. I definitely appreciate not only the the things that you asked us to do, but also the the revelation from the Holy Spirit that that helped me improve my marriage. You know, even since I've been back. So, um, so from that standpoint, y'all had to walk through a lot of things after you made this confession. You you asked her to forgive you. It wasn't instantaneous. Uh, you said it took three years before she got to the point that that she was fully on the other side of that. Is that correct? Well, it, it was three years before she hugged me and said, you're not the same man you used to be. Now, she she doesn't say it took three years. You know, I also talked about the hippocampus, if you remember in the teaching. And when that stuff goes in there, and for 20-something years of not cheating, but 20-something years of, of living with me. And I, I tell people, you know, it was easy to give up the cheating compared to because that's something I did. But, you know, I also had become passive aggressive, uh, controlling, manipulating, very, very angry. And so that was something I be. That's something I became. And so the process of unbeing that, you know, unbecoming that person that I had become, that was much more difficult. OK. And so to, to make the decision, I'm not going to stay the same person I used to be and to use that six step apology. And remember, that sixth step is is there anything else I owe you an apology for? And you heard me say in the training, hey, husbands, 
be careful with that one until you're ready. Because as you found out, Matt, there's a lot of stuff that our wives remember that we might not even remember. Because uh, I mean, I jokingly, but also seriously say they remember everything from second grade, you know, junior high school, college, 40 right. years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and last week. And we don't remember probably what we did last week. So when we ask that sixth one, we got to be really prepared. But when I made that decision, you know, I told her, you know, it's taken me a while to get this way. And I'm just, and I asked her. And so it took a lot of six step apologies along the way. But when you ask that fifth question, you know, I give you permission to hold me accountable not to behave this way anymore. Well, all of a sudden, if you mean that, then you can accelerate that move. And, and again, I, I tell most people that go through our training that I consult with, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to take you three years. I was developing a lot of this as we went. Okay. And so it, it, it shouldn't take that long. But I will tell you, she would not say it took three years. It took her three years to say that she believed it was going to stick. So from that standpoint, it was just a gradual process. You know, first of all, you had to expose the, the problem and then you know, ultimately work towards resolution. But it was a gradual process. I think that, you know, a lot of times people are walking in a situation and they, A, they don't want to expose that there was a problem to begin with. But B, once they do, they just want to forgive and be over with it. But uh, the reality is when there are hearts and minds and feelings involved, that that it is you know, on two different people's time frames versus uh, just snapping fingers and, and moving on. Man, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it doesn't really matter what it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be cheating. Uh, it could be disrespecting. It, it could be unloving. It could be not showing your spouse the security that she needs. I mean, but whatever it is, okay, that, that we might be hanging on to, that we know we're guilty, and then we do confess whatever that is, right? Well, normally when we do that, we get great relief. And then what did we do? We just took all the burden that we've been carrying, and we just dumped it on our spouse. And so I would say to people, be really careful to, to understand that. Because when we get the the healing, if you will, the relief, we just put that on the person who was either not aware or was suspect or whatever it is. So, so you're right. It, 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 it's big to understand that and to give space and time. You know, when we help other couples, uh, you know, one of the biggest questions she gets was, you know, how did you learn to trust him again? Uh, it was, how did you not know? You know, what were you doing during the time that he was doing this? And to hear her answer those questions is far more valuable than to hear me say, this is how she answered them. But yeah, she's, uh, most of, I think we find that we're probably far more loved by our spouses than we realize because there's certain things that make us feel respected, as you know, is the word. And therefore we may not feel this love, but I think most men would be stunned how much their wives really, really love them. I know mine's pretty amazing. And um, I just, when I, surrendered to the Lord when I fully transformed to the Lord. And that was you know, 2016. So not a long period of time ago, but when I first had that encounter with him and I had revelation that that he had been waiting on me the whole time, that I was the problem. You know, I sent her a text that day and and she realized that something was different just from that text. And then as I started walking with the Lord in a, a completely different way, she started seeing that selfishness. She started seeing that arrogance. She started seeing that pride. She started seeing those things go away. And as she did, you know, it was, how long is this going to last? You know, is this, is this for good or is this going to be 
uh, for a period of time. And you know, again, thankfully, uh, for the most part, all of those things are gone. Now, I still battle selfishness from time to time. And, uh, and that was really what the apology was about, you know, uh, at the conference. And, you know, I can get going on my own path and you know, say, hey, come on, you know, I'm, I'm running really fast. Come with me. And she uh, doesn't necessarily want to go on that, that same path. And I've got to remember, she's got her own path that she wants to go on as well. And I need to go down her path every once in a while. From that standpoint, did it, I mean, over those three years, was it just a part of it trying to believe like this is the new Ford Taylor. This isn't just, uh, you know, it's not more manipulation. It's not more, you know, just trying to get me to believe that 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 was probably the biggest hurdle. Yeah. And I even tell people today when I meet with them, just pray with me that I'm not manipulating you now. I mean, you know, we can be blind. You know, David talks in the Bible. The Bible talks about how we can have a speck in our eye. You know, I call it having lettuce in our teeth, you know, that we cannot even know. And it's important that we have people around us that point those things out when they see it. And who can see it the quickest? Our spouses. But yeah, it, it was a period of time. And, and I, I called them all out. You know, it wasn't just the cheating. It wasn't. I mean, I was a very passive aggressive man. I was very angry. I mean, I mean, I would cuss at police officers and referees and umpires and things that now when I look back on and think, how in the world? You know, and so, yeah, but it was a process and we agreed that if, you know, as we went down the path, that if I did something that looked like the old guy, that we would both pause for a moment and I would ask myself, was that the old guy? And she would ask herself, is this my hippocampus? You know, that part of your brain that says I've seen this before and we're always going to get the same outcome. So we agreed that we would pause for a minute and ask that question. Now, because I knew what it felt like to be that guy, I could quickly say, honey, that was that guy, because I know that feeling. But if I didn't have that feeling, I, I didn't say it, you know, because I knew, okay, this wasn't that guy. This is something that I said, and, and maybe I could have said it better, maybe not, but it definitely is something that was taken wrong. But did you know, Matt, every single time we came to one of those, probably within three seconds, one of us said, that's me. I mean, it wasn't like either one of us had to say that you. I mean, we both said, you know what, we're going to get through this. You know, and again, we, we didn't make, for example, divorce an option. We just didn't even make it an option. And so when you take that off the table, now all of a sudden it's how good can we make our marriage? Not how can we sustain it, but how good can it be? And man, I want to say this real quick for all your business listeners. I want to make this really clear. When a man and woman are happy at home, they are far more productive at work. So for, if you're a business person thinking, what does this have to do with business? Trust me, it has everything to do with business, but it's not about the business. It's about that relationship. The outcome is the productivity goes through the roof. I think that's a great point because when you are battling stuff on the home front, it's very hard to stay focused on a daily basis with the things that you need to accomplish in a work setting. And I think that there are so many people that are struggling with stuff in their, their personal life that... You know, they don't even realize that it blends, that it bleeds over into the work setting. And they, and well, I don't understand why I'm not as productive. Well, because you're not handling what needs to be handled outside of work and you're bringing it in. And I, I do think that it, I think they're directly related. And so from that standpoint, one thing that you just said is extremely important. That was a, an issue. Jamie and I said, like marriage is not an option. 
know, it's still death to his part. One of us may die, you know, getting to, uh, you know, or through some of these things, but, but we were never going to, divorce was never going to be an option. And, and it gives you the ability to fight fair and it gives you the ability to have a fight, uh, a disagreement. They're going to happen versus just thinking, oh, is this, is this the end of our relationship? Because, you know, we, we've fallen out of love or we've, uh, you know, gotten to a point where we don't see eye to eye anymore. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's so sad to see how quickly people are willing to, you know, just cut and run and versus just dealing with some of this stuff that it's not fun to deal with. But once you get through it, it makes you better people and better spouses. Well, let's, let's make it real clear on this path. We're supposed to die every day. And so if, if you feel like that you're dying in the process, good, because the Bible is very clear die to yourself daily. And so when we learn to die, not just to ourselves, but to die to our spouses, man, I used to, when I first started this ministry around city reaching, it wasn't unusual that pastors would say to me, you know, where's your wife? Where's your wife? Like they wanted her at every event. And I would say to them, no, I mean, she's the PTO president. She helps at the school. We have three children. You know, that's her call. This is my call. That's her call. Well, they really struggled with that. Well, years later, a bunch of them came to me and said, man, we, sh- we wish we had done it that way. Because once they do meet her and, the, and they see that she's happy and she's at peace and, you know, walks in joy and, and some of them, their spouses were miserable, you know, because they're always hanging on their arm and, and it's come be a part of what I'm doing. And so that can happen in the corporate world. Uh, it can happen in the church world. So we have to be careful, uh, both husbands and wives, that we don't drag the other one into the call that God gave us if he called the other one to something else, because now you do both. It's like you go with her, she goes with you, but it's not one of your dominating over the other one. But sometimes you go separately because the calls are just separate. So that's, I love what you said earlier around that. That's really good that you've come to that realization. How long have you been married, Matt? It'll be 15 years this month. So a lot of fun and uh, good times, bad times, and, you know, everything in between. But uh, we we keep trying to improve upon that daily. Good for you. Congratulations. How long have y'all been married? I wish I'd have learned it. Uh, January was our 40th. Okay. That's awesome. Well, so it it took nine years for us to finally go to marriage counseling. We did no premarital counseling, which is not a good idea. And then we'd never gone to marital counseling, which she urged many years uh, into the relationship. But uh, nine years in was when we ended up in marriage counseling. And that's what led to me going through 21 days of prayer and fully surrendering to the Lord. So me realizing that I was a selfish jerk and needed to make changes than the people that were guiding us, letting us know that they had been through similar situations, but worse. I said, if they can do that, then we can tweak our relationship a little bit. And uh, and I need to stop being a selfish jerk. And I think we can get through anything. So it's amazing when we give up being selfish, how much we can get through. And when you really do that, it's amazing how quickly you can see when you are being selfish. And I don't like those times, but I still have them. I mean, we're all human, but you can see it pretty quickly. Where before it was just kind of a lifestyle and you didn't even know it was there, but you can pick up on it uh, once you once it's rebuilt and, and you make the, the conscientious, intentional effort to move past it. So let's shift gears a little bit. And what do you think? I mean, you, you deal with a lot of leaders. You deal with people all around the world. What do you think is one of the most common issues with things that we're facing facing worldwide? What do you think is one of the, the common issues that leaders across the globe face 
what what's the best way to address those issues? Well, let me make it real simple. It's one word. It's pride. But we'll, let me break it down a little bit better than that. Okay. Um, I, I believe that we have raised leaders over the past years up to a place where they care far more about how people see them or what they think of them than they care about the people that follow them. Now, when I say that, a lot of people immediately go to government leaders. Okay. But I'm talking about the whole gamut, government leaders, church leaders, parents, I mean, how many people have we helped that they've said we would never want our children to know about this? Well, you know why? Because you care more about what your children think of you than you do about your own children. Because I want my children to know if you're ever tempted, it ain't worth the ride. Call your dad. I want their husbands to know. Call your dad. Me, father-in-law for most people. Do not go there. And so so I, I think that's one of the biggest issues. Okay. And the second thing is, I believe leadership's become a lot more what I'll call theory, you know, motivational, inspirational, but so much of it's not practical and implementable. And so when you start thinking about the issues in the world, uh, whether it's the COVID-19 uh, economy, racism, uh, politics, uh, media, high tech <laughs> technology taking over. I mean, when you, when you think about all those things, and there's so many others. Uh, the divorce rate, marriages, uh, you know, the the arguments over, you know, what is marriage, what's a family, uh, the transgender issue. I mean, there's just there's just so much out there. But when you when you start realizing that there are solutions on how we can work together uh, on on accomplishing something greater than ourselves, well, how do you do that? Well, number one, you've heard me quote this: learn to lay down your need to be right without giving up your passion for truth. And so there's ways to have discussions and, and bring solutions to a lot of these issues. But if I care more about what you think than I care about you, then that means if I happen to draw a line in the sand, I'm not going to back off, even if I change my mind. I mean, I'm still going to say, I got to uh, stick it out. If, if we don't know how to resolve conflict, because, you know, that's one of the biggest things we teach is how to resolve conflict. If we don't know how to host a meeting, a meeting that, that is able to keep different views at the table. You know, one of the specific things, Matt, that, that you heard me talk about is that, that at most tables, uh, all that I've been around and in the vast majority of marriages, you know, you heard me talk about this relationship continuum. And on one end, we have highly relational people. And on the other end, we have highly transactional people. They like to get the task done. And, and most people marry the person on the other end of the continuum. And then later, what they found so helpful and so cute is the very thing that drives us crazy. Okay. And so if you go into most businesses and the management team tables, churches, the leadership team tables, I mean, all those different environments, you've got that going on. And so when you have these things, the, the core beliefs, like we talked about that large array of things a minute ago that are out there that are big issues. Well, people have core beliefs around those. Well, when, when you, when you think of these things, things in the past, you know, when, when, when you believe when your hippocampus says, well, I've seen this before. And there's, it's going to happen the same way it's always happened. You know, when all that's going on, then if there's no tools on how to resolve those conflicts, how to keep people at the table, how to respect people who aren't like you, uh, whether that's the relational, transactional, whether that's color of skin, whether that's culture, because we all, not we all, because I, I, I think I've learned to do this fairly well, but most of us, we have such a high need to be right that we prioritize that over truth 
and over relationships. And when we lay that down, but don't lose our passion for truth, I think you'd be amazed what we could probably accomplish. That's really good. And you wrote a book on the relational transactional uh, continuum. What was the book called? <laughs> Relational leadership. It's a word that I made up. and It's pretty much the only thing I've, I've copyrighted some things just because my lawyer told me I needed to. But he told me I need to trademark that one. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because it's like, I don't care. Use it. But but there was a reason he wanted to do it, and I understood it, and I finally said, okay. But it's it's about showing highly relational people how to become more transactional without giving up their natural bent for relationship, and highly transactional people how to be more relational without giving up their natural bent for transaction. And when they learn to meet in the middle, uh, the productivity in any organization, as you know, two or more people, marriage, family, business, church, the productivity goes straight up. Well, I went over to the um the sales you know, area where they, they had the books available and yours was the most requested when I was standing over there. Uh, and unfortunately those materials were not there. So I still need to get that book, but I, I'm excited about reading it. Well, I, I appreciate that. There was a, I won't say who it was not the publisher. Uh, he did everything he was supposed to do, but I won't say who it was, but the person they used to get them there uh, had a kink in their system and they ended up in a warehouse that they were not supposed to end up in. And, um, hopefully they're there by now because I think they took, they might've taken orders, but yeah, you can still get it on the website or whatever. So thank you for the honor of even considering reading it. Thank Absolutely. You. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And uh, so from that standpoint, all of the things that, that you shared with us, so much great information when you are looking at developing these, I mean, is it all just, Throughout your life, these things have been developed over a period of time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you buy a bank, a company that's going bankrupt, right? On paper, we shouldn't have made it. By the grace of God, we did. That's the best way I can put it. But when you start off cleaning the toilets, you know, and, and you're in an industry that you've never been in before, you don't have any idea how to do with the, anything about the company you just bought. And so you kind of learn everything from the ground up and in that. And then all of a sudden you find yourself uh, as the CEO of a publicly traded company. So uh, you go from very entrepreneurial uh, into a corporate environment. And, and so I've experienced that, that whole gamut. And I'll tell you, I was miserable as a corporate environment. Okay. There are people that are made for corporate environment and they're miserable as an entrepreneur. Uh, but I do know the difference. And, and I, and, and because of all those experiences, good, bad, ugly, private experiences, uh, private failures, public failures, uh, public successes, private successes, uh, you know, we, we, I think it puts us in a unique place to be able to help people more. And even our team, if they aren't willing to share their stuff, good or bad, good, bad, ugly. And I say, and as our wives or husbands know, and the uglier, you know, all of it, we just won't let them on the team. In other words, because it really is about laying your life down and helping the people that ask us to come help them. And sometimes the best way we can help them is by empathizing and relating with their story because we've got that story. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we approach it. Well, it was all great information. And uh, again, the, the thing that I love about it the most is how practical all of the teachings were and things that I was able to implement while I was there. And then I've you know tried to implement some of those things since I've been back. And uh, so I definitely I, I like material that can be used you know, more so than just high level that, that nobody's ever going to uh, do anything with. So I definitely appreciate that. Can you share the story about the 
the father and the son where you'd gotten to a point and there was a disconnect there. Uh, can you share that? Sure. Yeah, Matt. So uh, as I moved into doing more city reaching and more part-time consulting, um, now we have a company that does it, but also the, t- the training, coaching and consulting. But, but prior to that, it was kind of a one-man show. And a friend of mine, their company was not going to make it. And they came to me and I told them I would help them find a turnaround expert. So I went and found one, got a contract, agreed. And then they asked me, is there any way you can do this? And I told them no, but the Holy Spirit showed up and inverted my decision at the lunch table. (laughs) So I ended doing it and ended up doing it. And and so I told them the only way I can really pull this off with my limited time is to be the interim CEO, which I don't really want to do, but I didn't really have time to go through the normal process of teaching them all the practical implementable tools. So I stepped into that role and in seven weeks, just to cut it, the the story shorter, um, that company, about a $20 million company, not huge, uh, went from losing $250,000 a month to making $250,000 a month. But in the process of that, and then we ended up teaching all their employees um, what we call TL or transformational leadership. They rolled it through the whole company and, and they're doing really well today. So I guess that's like 11, 12 years ago on this story that you're talking about. But in the middle of that, the owner was a very angry man. And I was trying to, as you know, we give a tool on how to remove anger out of your life. And, and he was learning to use the tool, but sometimes it would still spur up. And so I went to him one day and I said, uh, Pierre, would you do me a favor? Uh, would you, um, I said, I've noticed that you pray with all your employees first thing in the morning. And by 10 o'clock, you're yelling at them. And he got tears in his eyes. He said, you want me to quit yelling at them? I said, no, I want you to stop praying with them because you have no credibility. Well, then he really wept. Okay. But that really opened the door. And he, I mean, he just really started dealing with it, but he still had one issue that was with his father and it was really a struggle for him. And so one day he came to me and just angry, hurting that, you know, 52 years old, had never heard his dad say, I love you. Never heard his dad say, I'm proud of you. And so I told him to get his his pen and paper out. I was going to show him how to resolve it. And he did. And I said, I want you to, and he, you, I, I wish he could tell this story because when he tells it, it's like, it, it's so good to hear the person tell the story that this themselves. But, but I said, I want you to write this down, go to your dad and I want you to get on your knees. And I want you to tell him that you've been a smart aleck. You've been angry, bitter uh, against him. And, I, and then I want you to write down number two and say, say it and then say, I was wrong. And number three, I'm so sorry. And number four, will you or when you can find a place in your heart to forgive me? Will you forgive me? And number five, I give you permission, Dad, to hold me accountable, not to have this show at you anymore for the rest of your life. And then number six, is there anything else owe you an apology for anything you want to talk about? So, you know, it was kind of like you want me to go apologize to my dad for never telling me he loves me. I said, no, that's not what you're apologizing for. You're apologizing for your part. Anyway, so he comes back and he, he shares this story and then he shares it with others now. And he's helped, he's helped me help a lot of people with father issues uh, or mother issues. And he did. He went and his dad was sitting down because I think his dad was 80 at the time. Uh, and he got on his knees and, and he did that. Uh, you know, he said those words to his dad. And when he asked the sixth question, I, I can just imagine this. It brings tears because I know this man. I know them both so well. Mr. His, his dad has passed now. But, but he said his dad reached up and, and took him by the back of the head and laid his head in his lap, not 52 years old. And he caressed his hair and he told him how proud he was of him and how much he loved him for the first time in his life. And then the next board meeting, because they, they had asked me to join their board after helping them. And well, actually before, but it doesn't matter. But the, the father then came because at the board meetings, the siblings 
come also because the dad started the company. And he went around and told every child how much he appreciated them and how much he loved them. And, 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 and to me, you know, people ask me, well, for you, which is most important? You know, saving that company, you know, where they didn't go out of business, you know, it got saved. I'm not going to say I saved it because I think God had a hand in it because it was, it was a tough one. Or that family being reconciled. And, and my whole question is, do you have to choose? I mean, why can't you have both? There's no reason that you can't be relational. There's no reason that you can't have those deep, strong, healthy relationships and have a highly profitable company. You don't have to choose. Now, of course, if I had to choose, it would be the story about the dad with his father. But my whole point is we don't have to choose. We can have both because God set us up that way. Well, it was an extremely impactful story and um, just moved me powerfully during the conference. And the thing that I would highly encourage any of our listeners to do is if you've got a problem with a, a parent, if there's some sort of wound that is there, go to them with that six step apology that he just outlined and you be the one to to step out and, and just do it and see what happens. And, um, you know, to the parents out there that that haven't ever told your your children, that you love them. You know, all children need to know that they're loved, that they are, you know, actually proud of them. You know, those are good things for you to say, but I, I think that it it is extremely important that those things be done because that anger, that bitterness, that, you know, unforgiveness, I mean, that holds people back so much from experiencing all that God's got for them. And so I just... And it, it got me. I mean, again, that was one of the times that I was, you know, weeping during the uh, during the conference. But it was uh, it was really good. So, Ford, I've enjoyed having you here today. I appreciate all that you do, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting the book. I would highly recommend to all the listeners out there get the book as well. How can they learn more about you? Well, like I said, that book is one way, and and again, I, I finally broke down and did it on audio and. And I don't, if you remember, Andy stood on stage and says, look, guys, i got books here you can buy, but get the audio because he said the stories. Are, and so that, that's one way. Um, we have a business website called Transform Lead, like Transformation Leadership, but TransformLead.com. You know, last year during the COVID, after 20 years of kind of keeping my name off of everything the best I could. Uh, so the summer of 2000 is when I had my experience with God. And then the summer of 2020 I believe God said, I told you 20 years ago, if you'll let me have this, I'll take it global, which he did. But I want you to start using your name more now. So I just shared that to say, so last year, I started a podcast and a website that's actually called Ford Taylor Talks after 20 years of not talking too much. It's probably hard to believe after listening to this interview, <laughs> but trying to do mostly behind the scenes. So that's another way. Uh, and, and on that website, there's other information. There's lots of blogs. There's lots of podcasts on different subjects, racism. Uh, cancel culture uh, with with actual tools implementable to deal with it. And then another way, uh, again, you can order the book on either one of those websites, Amazon. But we also have another virtual interactive training program. It's called TLOnDemand.com. And so that's where people could get the, the training if they don't, because we've had to stop, you know, traveling as much going last year for sure. But if someone happens to get that, uh, there's a second piece called the missing link. So as you know, Matt, uh, normally, when I when we go into companies or governments, they don't necessarily want us to quote the scripture. So what we call TL or transformational leadership and relational leadership 
when believers see it, hear it, read it, they know there's biblical principles in there. They may not be able to quite put their finger on it. But then there's a second part of that training on TL on Demand called the missing link. And so if since we're on a show with believers, if you want that also, if you happen to sign up for TL on Demand, uh, click on the button that says TL Alumnus. And if you click on the TL Alumnus, uh, you'll get TL and it will transition you in right into the deeper teaching on the spiritual piece. Uh, lots of corporations, they may not want their employees to get that. They do. A lot of them want them to get it, but they don't feel like they can force it on them. So that's why we set it up that way. Awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate all that that you have done, all that you are doing, how God is using you with a powerful testimony to continue to just speak truth and love to people that need to hear, hey, I've been there. This is the the messy backstory, but I've actually got a lot of, there's more good than bad that, that comes out of it. And I think that you know, one of the things that you did mention was actions and words needing to line up. You know, I think that that is something that is lacking in leaders across the globe. Uh, so I appreciate you, your actions and your words lining up. And that is what's really resonated with me. And I know it's going to resonate with our listeners as well. Uh, so if you've enjoyed this, we hope that you will share it and comment. Uh, also, you can follow us on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose. And then on Instagram, living life on purpose always. And we appreciate you listening and we will catch you in two weeks.